following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. We're at minute 65 of Flash Gordon. Eric, how are you tonight? Oh, Brad, I'm up the creek in a pickle. I'm on the hot seat, really out on a limb. I'm Johnny on the spot in real hot water. What I'm trying to say is that I'm in trouble. Yes, that is what you're trying to say. But fortunately, we're ready to face trouble because we have our excellent guests this week. Uh, first off, we have uh, Molly. Molly, how are you? I'm great. How are you all doing tonight? Uh, excellent. And uh, our producer, again, is with us, uh, the fantastic Jarf Harden. Jarf, how are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to be back. It's been a great week. Uh, a lot of fun stuff. A lot of... Just, just, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of Brian Blessed, and man, you cannot have enough Brian Blessed, but, uh, now we have more Timothy Dalton, and, uh, you know, Timothy Dalton in, as Baron, bit of a jerk, and also not the best planner <laughs> in the world. You should have taken Clytus' course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, Eric, walk us through what happens in minute 65. Yeah, this minute's uh, a, a lot of setting up stuff. It's setting up the scorpion tree trunk battle that's going to come next week. Um, it reveals Baron's plan uh, that he hinted at a few minutes ago about how he had a plan that would allow him to kill Flash and stay in Aura's uh, favor. And this is the plan. Lure Flash of his own free will into the tree stump area. Uh, and hopefully uh, he can get his little pet scorpion uh, to kill him. And so it's 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 a minute of, of dialogue and exposition, basically. The, there is a bit of dialogue that I especially appreciate. And, and Eric, you gave a little teaser of it in your intro. But when Prince Baron appears, there we have him in all of his... Space Robin Hood glory, and and he's starting to maneuver Flash into this like, hey, you've violated the space, and now you have to play this game where you get stung by the scorpion, and and then you'll be begging me to die. But he he asks him, do you know where you are? And this is the part that I really love. So Flash Gordon is already very annoyed at FICO because he, he pulled the whammy on him and lured him up there, and he does this really great slow turnaround and look back at FICO with disdain and he gives that sardonic delivery of up the creek. (laughs) (laughs) So good, right? Mm -hmm. It's so great and it's nice because it it just gives a little bit more shading to Flash's character because basically all we know about Flash is he's he's a good football player and he's a nice guy. And that's about it. And this is... And very earnest. And this is sort of the the first time we get to see him being sort of peeved and irritated and 
uh, almost a little world weary. Where he's he's just so tired of this. He's like, oh great, it's a trick, it's a trap. I'm up a creek, and uh, just looking sort of subdued and irritated. And that's sort of a something we haven't seen from Flash so far in the film. Yeah, and you know, I mean, Baron. Then you know, he he, he accuses Flash of being a coward. Baron shoves his own arm in, and so you know, Flash says, "All right, let's do it." it you know, Baron Baron's ploy has worked. He's goaded Flash into it, and I just, you know, we've talked in the past about how naive Flash is, and does he really think Baron is going to play this game fairly? Uh, this is such a dumb plan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Baron is not a good planner. Basically, what's happening is. The idea that he wants to kill Flash, but he doesn't want to get in trouble, so instead he's going to trick, then force Flash to do the stupid game, call him a coward, and then, although we find out later that Baron's not being very fair in uh, the, the, the back and forth, he's still sticking his arm into the stupid tree trunk. This could very easy end up with Baron screaming, asking for someone to kill him. Why don't you just kill Flash and make up a story? Right, yeah. exactly. Right, <laughs> like push him out of the tree, or or stab him, and then say he stuck his arm and got bit, and he asked me to stab him. Right. Why is he actually doing what you know? I mean, he doesn't actually have to do it, you know. So it's a dumb plan, but then Flash is being very dumb because he's so easily goaded into it. It was like he's presented with this ritual. You've got to stick your hand into the tree trunk. And he's like, I'm not doing that. And then as soon as Baron says, oh, you're a coward, then he does a, an immediate 180 degree turn. And he's like, OK, I'm doing it. And it made me wonder, Brad, if it reminded you at all of your least favorite movie in the world and nobody calls me chicken trunk. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, to people who have listened to the Cosmic Geppetto podcast, you know that the worst movie in the world, in my opinion, is Back to the Future 2. <laughs> a movie so bad it made me like Back to the Future 1 a little less. And <laughs> one of the things that irritated me so much is the entire movie is Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly keeps walking away from these situations and everyone says and it's not that they call him a coward or they say what's wrong with you they just call him a chicken and apparently that just is that is the trigger for marty mcfly is like nobody calls me chicken it's like well actually nobody calls anybody chicken (laughs) (laughs) unless you're a third grader or in space yeah yes and then but it is sort of the same thing where calls him a coward it works a little bit better because this is a ridiculous movie anyway but one thing that's funny is and jeff you sort of alluded to it flash is like i'm not doing that it's like what are you a coward it's like i guess i'm doing it he doesn't even seem that like, angry about it <laughs> what are you a coward it's like huh, okay well, i don't want to be a coward it's like hey man nobody calls the quarterback of the jets a coward i'm on the <laughs> jets the jets are not cowards what do you think i am a redskin? No, come on. I'm a jet. And and he's being reasonable before he's called a coward because so he didn't know about the creature and he's standing there with his hand on the stump. And then when Prince Baron, I like this little bit of physical acting. 
we've given some shout outs to Sam Jones and he's best when he's kind of physically doing something. So Prince Baron says, well, the beast lies somewhere in the stump. And then Sam just looks down at his hand and he yanks away like, well, shit, I'm not touching that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, there's a thing with this movie where the bad guys really do need to keep Flash and in, in his side involved because there's about 18 different times where Flash could have died or, or should have died. And from when they're in the spaceship and Zarkov, Flash, and Dale are unconscious and it's like, no, bring them in. I want to see them. It's like, no, no, just, just let them die. Trust me, you will be much happier if you avoid this situation at all. And now we're Baron this very convoluted plan, which won't work anyway. Even if Flash sticks his hand in and he gets bit and he begs and they kill him, Aura isn't going to come back and like be happy about this. The, the deal wasn't, I was. I, I need you to protect him for me. It, she didn't say, it's like, by the way, but if he dies during the whole hand sticking in the trunk, trunk thing, uh, that's cool with me. No, she is going to be mad. And she knows the ritual. She's seen the ritual. She knows what happens with it. So, I mean, can she be like, hey, can I see the body? Because, I mean, wasn't there something on the dude's hand that that we could see that he'd actually been bitten by it? So, isn't the whole end result of being dead problematic, like, no matter what? Like, we already know what's going to happen. That's why he's already refused to stick his hand in the stump, because they already saw what happens when you stick your hand in the stump. So I'm a little confused. Why not just pop him in the head and be done with it? You know, plus, why go through this whole thing? Yeah, plus they, you know, the the priest says, you know, you entered here of your own free will. If you enter in, that means you have to, you know, take the test. And so what's, how's Baron going to tell Aura Flash came in? Is he going to say, well, you know, he of his own free will entered here. Well, why did he do that? Well, he came with Fico. Well, why did he come with Fico? Uh, well, I told Fico to pretend that he was breaking him out. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just somehow Aura is going to be really angry. Not a good plan. Yeah, we told him there was a cheeseburger down there, and he was like, <laughs> oh, dude, I'm so hungry. I totally died. I was in a crazy casket. I'm, like, wicked hungry. Yay, there's a cheeseburger. No, there's there's no cheeseburger. What, what I would have loved if, if they would have had it, you know, he walks in, and then just somebody real quick just, like, puts a sticker on the door. It's like, don't go in here. <laughs> we told him if he sticks his arm in the Jets might win four games <laughs> five is asking too much but the, well, the Jets will win four games next year if you stick your arm we told him Rex Ryan would do it <laughs> alright what, 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 what else do we have well I, I, I want to know whether this counts as another lazy writing uh, item to add to the list. So we've talked about how there are Boreans and, and, you know, they live on the tree planet. How convenient this other planet are Boreans. Baron mentions the great god Arbor. So they, I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> it, the, 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 the name of the planet, at least they threw an IA on the end of Arbor, maybe Arborea, but now the god's name flat out is Arbor. They just, instead of pronouncing it Arbor, they pronounce it Arbor. So it sounds like it's from another planet. Right. I, I, and uh, what are the odds you go to another planet and there's a tree god who has the same exact name as what means trees here on Earth? And you can imagine that the lizard people, their god is God Liz. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it does get a lazy writing. All right, yes. I'm adding it. 
I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I, I just hope that the Hawkman's God is just hockey. Our <laughs> <laughs> oh God, ho- hockey? No, no, it's actually Falcor. <laughs> that surprises us too, but. <laughs> right, so that's number eight on the uh, lazy uh, writing list. Okay, I've got a music trivia game for you all. So this whole treetop scene uh, with their funky costumes, it reminds me of a Peter Gabriel song, and I wonder if you can guess the song. Games Without Frontiers? Yes. Very good. Without, we did not edit that down. There was no hesitation. So the lyrics are dressing up in costumes, playing silly games, Hiding out in treetops, shouting out rude names. That's the scene to a T, right? Yeah. And this seems like a movie that Peter Gabriel would love. Uh-huh. I was trying to think, what was the one where he was, there was a video where Peter Gabriel was just, there was just plants and bugs growing over him. Uh, I wasn't thinking of the dirt. It was one of his later... Steam? Perhaps it was Steam. It was a lot. It was funky animation. I think it was maybe claymation or something like that. Some kind That's, of stop motion. That's uh, Sledgehammer. Is that Sledgehammer I'm thinking of? I think so. Yeah, the claymation one. Uh, you know what? Yeah, that was Sledgehammer was claymation. Steam was a lot of um, computer effects, but intentionally cheesy computer effects. So, yeah, Gabriel was he? He liked the crazy videos. And really inventive stuff. So I think there was also him dancing with uncooked chickens. Yeah, that's Sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah, there's dancing uncooked chickens yeah. in that. Yes. In fact, they're 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 not only is it dancing uncooked chickens, but it's only one turns into a, two of them. Just splits off. Alright. Peter Gabriel was weird. Alright. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so, uh, yeah, Eric. I, it's, it, I, I don't know, I, I, I pride myself on being the music guy, but Eric, you just jumped in there. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Kudos. Is it necessary for everyone to dress in green? I mean... Well, they I are know. tree people. I mean, you know... We, we came disc- of- you know what? Let's get your guys' opinions. We discussed this um, with either last guest or the week before about whether or not their clothing is supposed to be plants, giant leaves. Do you mm. think their clothing is made out of gigantic leaves and that's why it's green? I mean, I can see patterning, but I don't get a, a leaf vibe from it. <laughs> I get more of a geometric. Just looking at Prince Baron's pointy green shirt here. There's such a weird thing that's happening here because they're the tree people and they're, you know, it's they, they, they worship Arbor, but Timothy Dalton especially doesn't look like a guy who should be living in trees. He's very well coiffed and he has a neatly trimmed mustache. And they're obviously going for a Robin Hood thing. But I, and I know Robin Hood's the whole thing, the merry man living in the trees. But he he was always very dashing. Timothy Dalton's definitely playing a dashing guy in not a very dashing environment. Um, he he definitely be- looks like he belongs more in like a, a medieval castle than he does in like a tree fort. Yeah. And that sort of goes to the close, where I think this could have worked if they had gotten someone. And it's tough, because you don't want anyone to be... You already have Brian Blessed being the manly man, so having another gruff manly man who's living in the trees doesn't work unless you would, unless it would be like Voltan's cousin who doesn't have wings or something like that. 
actually, to your point, it's interesting to imagine them flip-flopping the casting, right? Mm -hmm. So Brian Blessed is a very different kind of Prince Baron. He's Prince Baron of Arborea. He's this rough and tumble man of the woods. And then uh, you have Timothy Dalton as Prince Voltan, and he, he's up there in Sky City, and he's sophisticated there with his sleek wings. And it's, I, don't, I don't know if all the relationships dynamics would work out well, but just visually picturing those two swapped, it, it's a cool image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can see that working. And it, it almost, if you didn't already, if you didn't already have Brian Blessed in your head as Voltan, it, in a lot of ways, it almost makes more sense and would be a more natural way to go with these characters. Now, you know, Brian Blessed is Voltan, and he's perfect in it. But that's only because we've had forty years of him doing giving this excellent performance. But I think the character would almost make more sense the way Jarf is describing it. I, I just just because I want I want to be able to work this word uh, into the conversation. Brad, do you consider Baron in this movie a fop? <sighs> and I asked you that because I just wanted to say the word fop. Yeah, it's always good to have fop. <laughs> he, he, he is foppish. <laughs> good lord. Uh, concerned with his clothes and appearance. Yes, yeah, so foppish. A uh, man concerned with his clothes and appearance in an affected or excessive way. Eh, I think more of a dandy than a fop. Mm. Uh, just sort of a dandy is... Uh, yeah, when I think of a dandy, I think of a guy who just decides he wants to look three three steps better in his clothing, but it's still sort of functional and looks good. Fop is almost where, the, in my mind, it's so, so vain and it's, it becomes counterproductive. Right. Mm. A fop is Lando Calrissian in Solo, a Star Wars movie, with his closet full of capes and complaining that a cape is being used to extinguish a fire because it's an original custom piece so it, it, it's it's taking it to that next level by the way lando is amazing in solo a star wars story so i'm not hating on lando i want a lando solo movie no, but it, you, you know you, you, you gotta call it like you see it all right. Uh, does anyone disagree with me or have an alternate take on what? what in, in, good job, Eric, bringing FOP up. Well, I apologize <laughs> to Molly for interrupting her point just so I could say the word FOP. No, 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 no. Totally, totally worth it. Totally worth it. Uh, yeah, I feel like there's just there's a bit of a disconnect for me in the environment. I feel like Timothy Dalton is a little uh, he's a little edgy. There's something a little dangerous to him. And maybe it's maybe it's the teeny mustache, um, but there's this, and maybe I'm thinking of like the Rocketeer. I see a lot of like his character from the Rocketeer in this for some reason, and that he's just he's villainous, you know. And I and they don't really push it that direction, but I just like I get this this simmering, you know, rage out of him, and the <laughs> you know the the dandy ish clean wardrobe just doesn't you know vibe i think in this very woodsy outdoorsy swampy environment and so i find it really interesting that you've got the hawkmen in this very lavish islandy moon door very like greek 
luxe kind of environment. And and I agree. I feel like Prince Baron really should be in something equally lavish considering the outfits. Like, I feel like he, you know, either needed to be in more of like a, a, an equal palace, I guess, that I, I just, I don't buy the environment, the swampy environment with how he presents as well. Well, I also don't really buy Aura, like, coming to this you know, basically tree fort to, to, to see him. It, it, she, she really seems like the one where she's very concerned about the thread count on the uh, sheets on his bed. I don't know, man. I think Aura's, I think Aura's pretty kinky. I think she's looking for different, <laughs> different thralls. I, I got to disagree with you on that one. She's looking yeah. for all kinds of different stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with Eric. Yeah. She, <laughs> she, she was very into watching the ceremony. <laughs> she was into watching the ceremony, but then I don't think she wants to retire to like the you know the hut that he shares with three other guys. Yeah, although maybe she does. <laughs> maybe. Well, yeah. That went to a whole a whole place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think girlfriend's got a lot of attachment issues. I mean, he's just he's trying to nail her down. You know, he's really trying to mm, make an honest woman out of her, and she's just not. She's not super about it, you know? Like, even till the very end, he's like, oh, I knew it. You're not going to really, you know, you're you're not super, super into me. And it's like, well, you know, she's got kind of a crazy father figure, dog. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> she's, uh, she's a free, she's a free bird. You know, I think you got to, got to take what you can get here from her. Yes. And there's, yes. I, I think that's a lesson that many, many of the guys in this film have learned is like, well, going to take what I can get. But they all seem to be really happy with what they get. <laughs> so, so if you don't use Peter Gabriel's Games Without Frontiers as our outro music, you could always use Tupac's I Get Around. <laughs> that would be an interesting take. Cause, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think we've really gone too very Tupac. So, eh, eh, okay. Maybe do some sort of mashup. God, that would be terrible. That would be terrible. <laughs> well, the Arborian priest, uh, played by John Osborne, you know, we, we, we went into his uh, background when he first appeared, but I accidentally left one note out about that I, I just I, I can't let him go by without bringing this up. So uh, we talked about when I introduced him that he had a very interesting uh, personal life, and I, I left this tidbit out. He was on vacation once in France in 1961. He was with his mistress at the time while also having an affair with the woman who would become his third wife. Meanwhile, his current wife was busy giving to a birth to a son that was not his son. Oh. So if, so if anyone followed that, go put a flowchart in, but that, that, <laughs> that's this dude. This was the guy that wrote the, uh, wrote the play and uh, has a very interesting life other than just being the priest in this goofy movie. It was a... Uh... Yeah, there just was, must have been a lot of more coke around then. <laughs> I can't tell if we want him to be a marriage counselor or not. Like, I can't tell if he's got things really figured out well for himself or <laughs> it's just, it's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, he had five wives, so. Ooh, man. That's a lot of wives. You just always wonder, it's like, what makes four think she's the one? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah. optimism yeah <laughs> i mean really the best hope is i feel like once you get past two then the really just hope is just sort of running out the clock it's like marry him close enough to death where they don't have time to get divorced 
yeah, there just was an era where a lot more mistresses and giving birth to a child that isn't actually the child of the husband and stuff. I just read a really fascinating, um, uh, there's a great podcast, uh, called Disgraceland, um, talking about Margaret Joan, uh, Sinclair, who then became Margaret Joan uh, Trudeau, who's a uh, current prime minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau's mom. She was, um, married to, uh, was it Pierre Trudeau? She was significantly younger than him, and they just talked about it's like she was a much younger wife, the first lady of Canada, and just was apparently carousing around England. She slept with uh, several members of the Rolling Stones and also Prince Charles. What? Yeah. Apparently, Prince Charles, a bit of a player before. Uh... Oh, Prince Charles slept with everybody. <laughs> oh, no. So she was basically Princess Aura. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yes, it was basically Canadian Princess Aura. Give that woman a high five. Right? Wow. So, yeah, but apparently just an era where that stuff happened more often. So, eh, okay. And you cannot imagine, uh, uh, perhaps I shouldn't say that. I was about ready to say you can't imagine a politician these days having such a weird sexual history, but I'm <laughs> wrong. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I would like to ask uh, Molly a question. Yes. Who, which one character from this film do you think would have worked well as someone as one of the characters... Uh, that could be a potential evil thing from Cabin in the Woods? Oh, good question. Or or creature. It doesn't even have to be a character. It could be a creature. Or one of the protagonists. I, you, you know, definitely have some tropes, right? We do. And I, I'm, I feel like Princess Aura is a real femme fatale in a lot of ways. Mm. So I'm going to say Princess Aura. I think that, you know, I think uh, she could she could send you to a, a blissful death, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I'm saying, you know, and I can totally I can totally see uh, her getting up on one of those guys early on. And uh, they're like, yay, this is this is great. And just kills them. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a, a species Oh yeah, Natasha sure. okay. Hensrich yep. kind of character. Yep, that's, that's a good call. That's a great question, Eric. I could see this amazing scene in um, Kevin in the Woods where they're sort of going down the elevator and seeing all the different monsters, and they had a obviously a character that was an homage to Pinhead. That's mm-hmm. Lord Fornicus. Yep. I could see them doing. In fact, I could see a fan doing this where they just have that scene but instead of him you would have Ming and just Ming walking up to the glass possibly with a, a, a wine in one hand a goblet of wine and just smugly looking at them knowing is like I sooner or later I will have my chance to you know wreak havoc upon you I, I, I could that would actually be a wonderful cameo that I think somebody could make happen mm-hmm that's a great idea. Yeah. I could see Kala working as one of the one of the people behind the scenes 
pulling the strings. Mm, yep. Like, I think that her kind of, her Flash Gordon evil transfers very nicely over to corporate evil. I could see her replacing, that character replacing Sigourney Weaver's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Can I just say that my association with Max von Sydow is this kind of like kindly old wizened grandfatherly Swedish kind of guy. And to see him as like kind of a sexual being in this movie has totally messed me up. <laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> to mess you up. To sexualize the grandfather figures in your world. Oh, God. <laughs> oh my god no it's i'm never gonna look at him the same now i just yeah it's 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 really changed my my perspective on him as a as an actor and as a being as a human being from this movie come back <laughs> next week where we have wolford brimley as prince Voldan's dad oh, no. <laughs> also in a leather diaper <laughs> Oh my god. So thank you guys for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yes. It was enough just to ruin the movie this movie for people picking apart when we have to ruin grandfathers. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh this has been a wonderful week. Uh we've just had a great time. Uh, Molly, one last time, please uh share where people can find out more about uh your little corner of the interwebs. Yeah, so we just got done, we, meaning Heidi Bennett and myself, uh, just got done with Cabin Minute Cast, which is a movies by minute jam where we take about, take apart Cabin in the Woods one minute at a time, and you can check us out at cabinminutecast.com. All right. Yeah, we recommend everyone check that out. Uh, Jarf, where, uh, what else do you have to call out? I want to call out the Cosmic Geppetto podcast and I've also done some guest spots on other Movies by Minute podcasts and Geek Culture podcasts. So I'll shout out Point Break Minute, Five Minutes of Mystery, which is a really fun podcast about one of my favorite movies, Mystery Men. And the fun thing there is the five minutes that you're on, you get to make up your own character to fit into the Mystery Men universe. Brad, I know that you were on it as well, so you can listen to both of our segments and see which characters we made up. And then both Brad and I were on the 20th Century Popcast, where they take a look at something from the 80s, early 90s, revisit it, and see how it stands up to them now. So Mm. we we actually went into it planning to do a compare and contrast between the Flash Gordon and Highlander soundtracks, but (gasps) we ended up, I know, totally awesome idea, and we totally did not talk about it because we just started talking about kind of fandom in general and our relationship to it. So it's something that we now, we we have a pin in it to talk about at a later time because, I I mean, I love the Highlander soundtrack. uh, But um, um, Tim's a great guy, uh, and... I'm actually going to be recording with him next week. So I really like making friends um, with other podcasters uh, and, and like I said, hearing their perspective. So I'm all over the interwebs. (laughs) Eric, um, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? 
Find out more on Facebook by chatting with us in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. You can find us on Twitter at Flash Gordon Pod, and you can email us flashgordonminute at gmail.com. Uh, and as we've talked about this week, we ask uh, kindly for you to give us your ratings and reviews on iTunes. Not only do the more ratings and reviews uh, help our visibility, uh, but also uh, this month for every rating and review we get on iTunes, we're donating $1 to the uh, Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, which you can find out more at cff.org. It's a great organization that Jarf and our friend Kathleen work for. Um, and it's, hey, it doesn't cost you anything, and you help uh, give to a good cause. So it's been a great week. Uh, this has been so much fun. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I'm feeling great, but Eric, my, my, my world's sort of coming apart a little bit. A little topsy-turvy, eh? Yeah, a little topsy-turvy, because as we're recording, they just released the first trailer for the new version of A Star is Born. A film that is directed and starring Bradley Cooper as a country singer. And in the film, he takes on, becomes involved with, and takes on as sort of a mentor-mentee relationship, Lady Gaga. And here's the thing, it's not my sort of movie, but it's a fantastic preview. It sounds really good, and Lady Gaga sounds amazing in it. Eric, am I... Am I becoming a Lady Gaga fan? Oh, well, listen, if you don't like uh, having your picture taken by paparazzi, and if you don't have a poker face, then, you know, I I don't really know what to tell you. But uh, if you are concerned about all that kind of stuff, uh, and if the voice of uh, Rocket Raccoon, you know, concerned he can't hold his own Lady Gaga, don't worry about it. Flash will save every one of us. Thank you for listening. We have exciting news here in the Flash Gordon Minute Studios. Next week, Chuck Bryant of the Stuff You Should Know podcast joins us. Incredible adventures await you here on Flash Gordon Minute.
a snake You know the trouble from the break You know you're straight line from a curve You've got a lot of love But I know you Give me steam I'm how you feel can make me real Real as any place you be Get up It's gonna break. 